0: Good news. Hey, I'm, I'm really glad you're here today, especially if you're kind of new to Flatirons. You haven't been around here, been checking it out for a few weeks or months. But yeah, here's why: it's because we're, today we are starting what we call like a value series, and we we, we do a version of this series uh, at least once a year. We've done it ever since I've been here, like for the last 15, 16 years, where we carve out five or six weekends in a row and we review our values. And the our values are like the big rocks that drive everything we do and don't do as a church called Flatirons. Meaning this is that if you ever if you're, if you're around here long and, and you have a question that goes, so like so, why does Flatirons, why do you all do, do that? Or why, why do you do it that way and not the way they did it like at my old church? Right? Why do you teach that? Why, why don't you teach that? Whatever answer you receive ought to point back to and be anchored in one of these values. And the answer should start with something like this. Well, at Flatirons, we value or we believe that God said this, and that's why we do that. Or at Flatirons, we value or we believe that Jesus said this is true and that's why we do this or don't do that. At Flatirons, we're trying to align our mission with the best understanding we have about what Jesus said he wants to do in his world. And right now, this is how and why we do what we're do, doing because we're trying to run after that. We value it, all right? So now we, we do this every year for several reasons. First, like I just explained, so that you will, you'll know what kind of church you landed in. Some of you guys, you go, is this even church? It is. All right, some of you going, I got caught in traffic. I thought I was going to Walmart, but here I am. Welcome. All right, but, but, but you're here now. So we, we want you to decide not just if every, you want to show up here every once in a while when you're not busy, but our goal is, I'm full transparency, our goal is for you to become a part of us, to become a part of this community and partner up with us in our mission to bring the awesome life that Jesus offers to any person on the planet who's walking through this lost and broken world and needs some help that they can discover who Jesus really is. There's a lot of bad versions of him out there. Here's who Jesus really is and what he he offers. And then we wanna create some space where you can make up your own mind about Jesus, whether you wanna trust him or not. So once you know who we are and what we're about, again, full disclosure, We want every person that we come in contact with to bump into Jesus, to meet Jesus, and then over time, and you get to figure out what that is, all right, get to know him better and maybe begin to trust him with the most important parts of your life. And then we want you to partner with us in his mission in this world, okay? That's who we are. Some of you are sitting there going right now like, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you trying to get me to believe in Jesus? (laughs) Write this down, yes. Absolutely, right, right? Now, I say yes, but we can't make you believe anything. It's not our job. We can't change anything in anybody's life. That's not our agenda here. That's between you and God, but yeah, we do. We hope that this is a place that you and God can work out some stuff and and, and believe it, that Jesus is the best thing ever. He's the best thing that's ever happened in our lives, and since we care about you and you're our friends, we want you to find the same thing that we found in Jesus. That's what we're about here, so that's the first reason. The, seg- the second reason that we teach through our values at least once a year is because just like any other organization, any other relationship you're part of, uh, any other you know, community, be that romantic or, or family or business or church, If you don't come back on a regular basis and review like the big rocks, like the valuable things on a regular basis, you will experience what's called mission drift, right? And you'll wake up, and some of us have experienced this in parts of our life, you'll wake up and you'll look around one day and you'll ask this, how did I get here? How do we get here? This isn't what I thought it was gonna be like. This isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I gave my life to. Sometime, at some place, something changed. And that's true in all parts of our life. We've done that in our marriage. Like, what happened? We've done that with our family. We've done that with our jobs, all that kind of stuff. And it's true in church. Now, having said that, please know this, all right? I'm not, or we're not so arrogant to think that Flatirons has it all figured out and that we are experts in everything having to do with God or church. We're not, okay? We're not arrogant, but please understand this. We are very confident that we know who we are and what God has called this church to do. So we're, all, we're always open to learning, you know, and asking God if anything is new or changing in how we want to run after the mission, which will never change. The truth is, and, and you know, I'm gonna talk about you because you know who I'm talking about in just a minute. There's no shortage of people, church people or unchurch people out there who love to come in here with their own personal agendas and with a whole bunch of, the Lord told me to tell you suggestions. Right? Like, like, I get this a lot. Like, have you ever thought about changing what flatterance does more like the way that I think you ought to do it? Because in my old church, I liked it that way. Can you do it that way too? To which I, I, I'm only saying this because I want to save you a lot of time and frustration, okay? Because when you say something to me, here's what I'll probably say back to you. Well, thank you for that. I'll pray about it. But I'm lying. <laughs> I'm not. I, I, no, I go away. All right, right, right? Uh, because what I want to say to you is this, is like, if that works so great in your old church, why aren't you still there, all right? And why don't you go on back there? That's what I want to say, but I'm a pastor, so I'm not allowed to, but I think it, just so you know, right? Now, now every time I, I make statements like that from up here, inevitably, and some of you already have your phones out, you've already started, I get an email from some offended person that says something to the effect of, well, it sounds like, it sounds like you you're not interested in being the church for everybody. We're not. It sounds like you're okay with people leave your church and go to another church. Write this down. Absolutely. here, let me explain it, okay, right, all right, I have grown up in church all my life, whatever you think that means, it's on steroids, I've been in church all my life, and one of the biggest lies that's ever said from a stage comes from the pastor, when the pastor says something like this, listen, we want everyone to be happy, our job is to keep everybody happy so that everybody stays, it's just not true, that person's lying, okay? What we want to create is a community that kind of registers with you that, that, that you believe lines up with what the, both the heart of God cares about and what your heart really cares about. We want those to line up in such a way that you're willing to jump in with your time, your talents, your abilities, your money. We wanna create a safe space that you trust so much you would bring your friends here. That's how much you trust it and love it. And if after a while you can't do that, or you don't wanna do that, my question is, why would you wanna make this your church? Why would you wanna stay here? The best thing, the the healthiest, most logical thing for you to do is leave here and go find another church community where you can be happy, where you go, and I do align with that, and I can run after God with them and in their mission. Do that. So if at the end of this series, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I I don't wanna do any of that. I don't believe any of that stuff. I just wanna come on Sundays and lob criticism grenades at what I don't like. If that's you, write this down, then please... You're released. Go in peace, okay? Go in peace. But, but here's a caveat to that, right? But file this away, right? If in the future your life and real life collide and it's not going well, or the life of someone that you really care about goes off the rails and you're wondering, is there a place, is there a church that's safe enough where I can bring my friend, my son, my dad, my whatever, where they won't be judged just to work out their stuff and maybe they could bump into Jesus there. Fathers away, come on back. Because that's when it would really click for you. Oh, that's what they were trying to do at Flat Earth. Because here's what I found in my experience, right? Everything changes and 99% of your criticism go away when you realize that someone that you love and care about is lost and broken and hurting when somebody that you love needs something like this. So if that's you, come on back, cool? All right, so value series. And today is gonna be kind of heavy on like introduction and, and setup and light on teaching you like new information. But, but please, please know this. Right? While you might be thinking like value series is gonna be like heady, like useless information, like file this away for the future, this series might be the most practical where you'll sit here and go, now, if that's true, then, then I gotta do something different with my life. This series is gonna be that more than maybe any other series we do all, all year round. Okay? So, 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 so here we go, jump in, one small step, okay? And you might've picked up on that we have kind of a moon outer space vibe going. 'Cause I'm into that. Anybody else like when those rockets are going off, you're like, ah so 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 good. We all became like ten again. You know, it was like so great, right? Because we're yeah, you know, we're playing off that famous line from astronaut Neil Armstrong when in nineteen sixty nine, as he stepped off the landing module and onto the surface of the moon, he made that famous statement, remember? One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Right? I remember where I was when I, when I, when I heard the, that, that voice, but it means this is that while one man was taking one historic step at, at this one moment, everything that had led up to that moment to make that one step off that ladder actually possible had changed and would change mankind and history forever. And that moment changed everything, which makes sense, right? I mean, you gotta think about this, all right? For Neil Armstrong to take that one small step how many other steps had to happen first? How many other people had to take how many steps for this one step to be possible? From that initial command from President Kennedy, I want a man on the moon by the end of the decade, to those words coming out of Neil Armstrong's mouth, what had to have happened in between there? And I, here's the answer, right? A lot. Oh, that's so deep. I know, a lot, all right? But please, please don't miss this. It started by someone taking that first one small step, and it was followed by a whole lot of other people taking more steps, but they took them one step at a time. It was impossible to take more than one step at a time because nobody had ever done this before. They didn't even know what the next step was. Or how about this? It was impossible and most likely deadly to say, we can skip that step because nobody had tried this before. So from concept and idea and command from the president all the way to that becoming an experience, we just did that reality. It all happened over several years, but it happened one small step at a time. I want that to kind of land with you, right? Because that, that, that makes sense, right? And unless you're one of those conspiracy theory people who watch that video and go, I don't think that really happened. I think it happened in a studio in Hollywood, all right? Listen, good for you, all right? But the rest of us, all right? You probably agree with the whole one small step at a time progression. That makes sense, right? Here's, though, where it falls apart for a lot of us, at least in today's world. We don't like that. We don't like this idea of one small step. You know you know Why? One small step sounds so slow, right? Like one, right? Like that will take forever. To get from here to there, one step at a time? Isn't there a shortcut? Isn't there a quicker way to get from here to there? And the answer is no. I'll give you an example, right? I told you a couple of weeks ago when we came back from Christmas that I started doing that 75 hard again thing, which which is a 75 day mental toughness workout life transformation program, all right? But I'll be honest, most people that I've talked to, all right, most people do it. They pay attention to and sign up for and start 75 hard. Here's why is they got online and they saw the before and after pictures and the drastic changes it can make to a person's body and appearance if they'll do all 75 days the right way. But here's the thing. Most people, like 90% of people, drop out of the challenge in the first seven days. They, they, they quit in the first week or two. You know why? Because it's hard, right? It's called 75 hard. It's not 75 soft. It's not 75 kind of inconvenient, 75 kind of hard. It's not 75, just keep on doing what you're doing, it'll all work out. It's not the name. It's 75 Hard. And here's why people signed up and then dropped out. Because when they, they got online, and you can Google this later, and you'll go like, yeah, that makes sense, right? When they, when they looked at that person's day one picture, beside their day 75 picture, they forgot that in between those two pictures were 75 days of really, really hard work, right? 150 workouts lasting 45 minutes each, 75 days of sticking to a diet and you couldn't cheat or you had to start over. You had to drink a gallon of water a day, 75 gallons of water, which for me led to 80 gallons of getting up in the night and peeing. I don't understand the math, but it, I'm old, I don't know. 750 pages of reading. Here, between day, 70, day one and day 75, you know what nobody did? They didn't post day one and then here I am on day two. I really like the progress. You know why? There was no progress. Day two, I knocked it out of the park. No, no, there were no noticeable results in 24 hours. And let me bring it a little closer, right? Uh, a couple of years ago, my wife, Robin, she got real convicted and worked up about this. So she, she hired a trainer and, and got a gym membership and started going to the gym because she, she wanted to lose weight. Here's the thing. <laughs> After a week, she got on the scale and the scale said that she had gained four pounds. And she got a little upset, all right? So, so I'm trying to comfort her because I'm, I'm me, all right? And I put my arm around her and go, hey, babe, babe listen, the, the, the weight doesn't matter. What matters is your body fat percentage. That's what I said. What she heard was, I am Satan and you are fat. That's what she heard. And she went off. I mean, she went. she said some very hurtful things. I would even say, sinful things to me. All right. Right. looks like, that's just just stupid. You're so stupid. That's the worst thing. All right. She was ready to lob off an arm. If that took five pounds off the scale. All right. I tell you that so you can pray for her heart. Okay. So, but, but here's where it's January. We're at the beginning of the new year. And like, I'm spending time on social media, like everybody else. And at least on my reels, on my, on my Instagram, right? It's almost all the same. It's pictures of this. Here's what I looked like a year ago. And then a blackout Followed by a picture of the same person a year later, but they have muscles and abs of steel and they're under cool lighting, all right? And there's this music that makes you wanna go fight somebody and it says, you can have this too. And I'm like going, I want, I want that. I wanna do that too. Can I have that? And the app says, yes. If you'll just subscribe to this online program for 10 gazillion dollars a month. And I'm like, okay, sign me up, all right? Now, here's the thing. We're all dealing with this. You can pick any area of your life and we're being bombarded with it all the time. You, you can, you've seen this. You can be a millionaire by Easter, Right. If you just buy my book or whatever, you can, you can meet the person of your dreams by Tuesday. You can own your own business. You can run your own life. You can do this. You can be happy, followed by a whole bunch of pictures and testimonies of before and afters. And they get you because the, they, they leave out all of the in-between, you have to do these 10,000 things. They leave that out but you won't discover that until your credit card's already been run, and then you drop out of one more of those, this is it, this is the secret shortcut to success. But it won't be, because there are none. Now, here's my point. I do have a point, right? While in theory, in our minds, it makes sense that for most important things to happen, for something really big or important in our lives to change, it rarely, if ever... At least when it comes from moving from bad or, or broken or non-existent to becoming something good and, and healthy and it's the new normal for my life, it almost never happens in one big event. My life was changed on, no, it's not one event. Most often it's over a, or a lot of time made up of a series of many, many, many small steps repeated over and over and over and over, right? Makes sense. Now, now here's where here's where I'm going with this, and how this idea actually ties into our biggest value here at Flatirons, because this idea, this concept of one small step repeated over and over and over, it's actually it's actually biblical, and, and by that I mean this, the same theme, this repetitive theme runs cover to cover in the Bible. So let's jump into this. Let me, let's jump ahead. I want to give you our first, and I'm going to call it our most important value. And the reason I say it's our most important value is that if it isn't true, we can't really have any assurance that the other four hold water, because they're all, they all come out of this first one. We don't know if, if we can trust the first one, maybe we can trust the rest of it. But here's our first value. And if you're new to Flatiron, so the way that we take notes here, and at the end of the talk, you're going to want to take some pictures, we take pictures of the screen with our phone, okay? So, and... Just, just do that, okay, trust me, all right? Our first value here, we call this, biblical authority. Biblical authority simply means this. We believe, we actually believe around here, that the Bible is God's word and it is our authority for life. If we will adjust our lives to it, we will find a better way to live. Now, there's two sections. Let's just kind of break that down. Let's look at the first sentence there, okay? We believe that the Bible is God's word and it is our authority for life. Now, the way that a lot of us are wired up, because I'm wired up like this too, Right? This is where you're expecting me, the pastor, to start like, um, like building a case, like throwing out a bunch of data and arguments that the Bible has actually been proven to be the word of God. I can prove it to you, right? I'm not gonna do that. I could try, it just wouldn't work, right? There's no shortage of resources and archeological like, finds, and theological studies that point to the divine authorship of the Bible. But I'm pretty sure, at least I've never met anybody like this, Nobody ever decided to believe the Bible is true because of some Raiders of the Lost Ark discovery, right? The, the divine scrolls came off a, a divine printer in the sky or something like that. I, I don't know. I don't know anybody who became a Christian because they lost an argument to data. See, even Jesus says this in the Bible. He says that nobody's gonna believe any of this stuff unless the Father himself, through the Spirit of God, does something in that person and draws him or her to the truth. The only way that you're gonna believe the Bible is true is to open it and read it. I can't explain it. But even Jesus said, yeah, this is between you and God. So so if you were here last week, you, you heard my friend Steve, so, so good. He talked about the Bible. He said, it's God breathed. We're gonna look at that in a minute. It's inspired by God, as in God breathed his breath into the authors and they wrote down what God told them to write down. And then when we when we read it, it's like we breathe in his word and it brings light to our darkness and life to our death, all right? The act of reading the Bible, it it changes a person. I know It sounds crazy, but I... I in one place, all right, we find that the Bible isn't just a book written by people, okay? It's more, it's more than that. Look, look, look at this, it says, for the word of God, so the Bible it's alive and active. I, you have a lot of books at your house. This one's different, it's alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of, of the heart, which means this, and it sounds so condescending for me to say, but you can't know that until you get into it. The, right? It means this. Exposing yourself to the Bible is exposing yourself to something that has a life of its own. It has an active, moving spiritual power. And when you read it, it has the ability to cut through everything to the deepest part of like, your soul. Sometimes when it cuts you, it, it hurts like a chainsaw. Sometimes it's like a scalpel, but it, it gets in your head. It gets in your mind, it gets into your emotions, it dissects them, it cuts them open and exposes, hey, this is what's really going on in your life. And, and here's the other thing, and watch the heads nod around this. You'll be reading the Bible and, you, and this is what will come into your mind. How did it know that I was going through that now? Or why, why did I read that part today? Which honestly, for some of us going, that terrifies me, I don't, I will never read the Bible now, all right, I get it. It's it's like something big is going on. Uh, a guy named David, It was right in the middle of the Bible. It's a, uh, a book of the Bible called the book of Psalms. It's a collection of songs and poems written by a guy named David. And the whole chapter, Psalm 119, so good. The whole chapter is about this, but there's this one verse in there that calls out something to be really helpful. Let me talk to Next gen. okay? You're trying to figure out life. Here's what David writes. He says, so how can a young person stay on the path of purity? I'm just trying to live my life the way God wants me to live it. And then he answers his own question by living according to your word. I don't know what's going on in the world. I'm just gonna stick with this map. Later, he adds this. He says, your word is a, it's a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. I find, you ever feel like you're just going through life like this, waiting to bump into the next thing, to trip over the next thing, or the next thing to run into you? David says, it's like, it lights up my path. It, it shows me, okay, oh, this is where I need to go. Years later, the first of, and I'm going to call Timothy, uh, the first of the next gen young pastors to come along out of the very first church ever, his mentor, Paul, is saying, hey, hey Timothy, as, after I die and you take over, be sure and tell people that this is what they can find in God's word. He says this, all scripture, the Bible, it, there it is again, it's God breathed. The Bible is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness. And here's the end game. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work in every part of their life. Hey, how about this, all right? I'm, I'm gonna give you the most famous half-quoted verse in the Bible, right? And you've heard this before. You didn't know it was Jesus, but look at this. You will know the truth and uh, say it. The truth will... How many How you heard that before? All right? I mean, tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna hear stuff like that a lot. And it's really, really, really good, okay? Everybody has heard that. Whether you realize it was from Jesus or not, and you agree with that. Here's the part that gets left out. There's a conditional part of that statement before, before Jesus says that part. Here's the conditional part. Jesus said to the Jews who believe in him, so some people are starting to follow him, put their trust in him, he says, what's the first word? If it's conditional. So whatever comes after this, is based on this. If you will abide, live, hold on to my word, you truly are my disciples. And I'm gonna put this in. Then and not until then, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Which means this, that if you're holding on to the wrong truth, the way that Steve said it last week, if you're abiding in, if you're living your life by a truth that claims to be true but isn't really true because it's different than what God says is true, I don't know what your life will be like, but here's what Jesus would say, it's not freedom. But most likely you won't realize you're not free until your untrue truth doesn't work out for you. Doesn't hold up. And, and you look around, and you find yourself stuck or locked up or imprisoned or indicted. Or enslaved because you've been holding on to a truth that's not really true now like i said all right some of you believe that and some of you don't believe it and like i said it's not my job to or my goal to talk you into believing what jesus said again that's something between you and god here's the part of that value statement that you will agree with whether you buy into the first part about being god's word or not the second part of the value all right it also comes with a conditional statement it goes like this. Look, all right, here's the first part. We believe the Bible is God's word and it is our authority for life. Now watch, what's the next word? If, if we will adjust our lives to it, God's word, we will find a better way to live. So here's the conditional part. It says, even if you believe the Bible is God's word, a bunch of Christians would go, yeah, I do believe that, right? And even if you, you say, yeah, it's the authority for my life, even if you read the Bible, even if you memorize big chunks of it, chapters of it, even if you say, you know, I'm sure it could show you a better, more abundant way to to live, right? The conditional part of all that is this. None of that happens unless if we will adjust our lives to it. What do you mean if we'll adjust our lives to it? It it means this. If we have any hope of achieving and experience what Jesus said is a better, more abundant life, it's the life we were meant to live. We don't, expect the Bible to adjust what it says to what we want to be true. We have to adjust our lives to what it, to what God says is true. What God says is good. What God defines is right and wrong. What God says actually works in the world he created and in all the parts of our lives. We have to adjust ourselves to it. See, Jesus said it best when he closed out. Then I quote, I quote this these three chapters out of the Bible, they're my favorite three chapters out of the Bible. It's the best sermon I think has ever been preached in the history of the universe. It's a very, like the opening talk from, from Jesus. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. All right. And we'll come back to it in a minute. But so he just, he just, he just spends three chapters, at least in my Bible, explaining what is possible when a person lives their lives in intimacy with God in his kingdom in this life. But then after he goes through, oh, it's just so great. He's talking about he's talking about marriage. He's talking about sex. He's talking about anger. He's talking about forgiveness. He's talking about, about, about money. He's talking about judging people or being judged by people, right? So he, he talks about all that. And then he closes and says this. I just wanna make it clear. None of this will make any difference in a person's life. Not because it's not true. It is. Not because it doesn't work. It does. He says this. God's word, God's truth is irrelevant to a person's life if they aren't willing to put it into practice and do it every day, how much? I don't know, one step at a time. Remember this? So he's he's just given all this thing about marriage is like this and sex is like this and money's like this and anger's like this and murder's like this and swearing's like, all these parts of our lives. And then he says, let me me land the plane. He says, he didn't say land the plane. There weren't, anyway, okay, so I made that up. He says, therefore, after everything I just said is true. Everyone who hears these words of mine that I just taught and then puts them into practice, you're like a wise person who builds your house on a rock. Rock, you're doing what I told you to do, okay? Now, here's what happens. The rains, because life has storms. The rains come down, the streams rise, and the winds blow and beat against that house. Yet that house, it does not fall. Why? Because it has its foundation on a rock. You did what I told you to do. But everyone who hears the same words of mine that the other guy heard and does not put them into practice, you're like a foolish person and you're building your house, your life on sand. And the same rain comes down and the same streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, but it fell with a great crash. The only difference is one put it into practice and one didn't. Now, this is how he closes. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were, what's the word? Amazed. What? He's different. He's teaching as one who has authority, like he actually knows what is right and true and actually works and not as our teachers of traditions and laws and rules. This isn't about rules. This isn't about religion. All of that means is this, is that we are a church that doesn't just believe the Bible is God's word. We do. We don't just believe it has the ability to show us how to line up our lives, our marriage, our sexuality, our money, our, 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 all of that with what God says will lead to a better life. We do believe that. But we also believe that even if all of that's true and possible, we cannot leave God's word in the category of hypothetical or some theological moral lesson to be pondered and then leave it there. It has to be put into practice over and over and over and over until it moves off of a page into our heads, down to our hearts and out to, this is just how I live my life now. This is my reality. Otherwise, it's just one more religion in the world that has no power and no effectiveness and doesn't change anything. And I'm tired of those. So here's how I wanna close out each one of these teachings around, around these values. I wanna give you a put into practice homework assignment you going, oh, no, I thought we'd just pray about it. No, yeah, okay, all right, so we will. but, but so, so this week's assignment I'm gonna give you, and I'm gonna give you it for the next five weeks, all right? It's possible for you, no matter where you are on the belief spectrum, you've been a Christian for decades, centuries, you've been around a long time, all right? Or, or you're sitting here going, I don't even know if I believe any of this stuff yet. That's fine, this is inclusive of all, all right? So the first thing, if you're taking notes, here's the first thing, you need to find a Bible. Oh, no, where would I find one? Back of the room. We have thousands of Bibles stacked on tables at all of our campuses. Well, how much does it cost? It's not, somebody already paid for them. They're paid for, Merry Christmas. There you go. It's a gift, all right? So grab a Bible on your way out, all right? Or if you're like, I don't really like books, then get online. Google Bible, it'll come up, I promise, all right? So, so here's your assignment, is that I want you this week, every day this week, all right, starting like later today, all right? I want you to open that Bible and read it. Jim, you are asking too much. All right, right. What do you want me to read? I just want you to read something until something jumps out at you regarding something in your life and goes like, yeah, that's me. Now, listen, I, I know that might sound a little intimidating. It's like a 2,000-page book. It's like, where do I start, okay? How about this, all right? I, how about go to that, to that talk I mentioned about, Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's the best talk I think Jesus ever, ever, ever gave. And you just read through there, and, and it will go through like, what do you do when you're really hurting in life? What do you do when people are picking on you? What do you, you know, what do, you do when, you're, when you're angry and you can't forgive? What do you do when you're married to this person but that person looks kind of good? I mean, what, what, it's all in there. Okay, it's very, 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 very practical. And until something jumps out and going, oop, that's very different than my life. And I believe the spirit will do that. I'm one of those people, okay? So as you read that, I don't want you to read all of it over and over and over, all right? I mean, you can if you want. I just want you to find that one part that goes, boom, that's talking about me. So I want you, there's five things I want you to do. This is where you gotta take pictures. It'll all be on our platforms in a minute, uh, right after church. But anyway, right? first question is this. What might, just imagine, what might your life be like, look like, or feel like if your life lined up with what Jesus described as better? So when he's talking about that, with that part of your life, with that part of your life, what would you, just imagine what your life would look like if that was true about you on an everyday like basis, okay? Now, the rest of it is like how would we make that happen? Look at the second thing here, right? Focus on what you will have when it becomes a reality, not on what you have to stop, give up or change for it to become a reality. This is what we do. This is why none of our diets work. I'm going on a diet and you sit at the table going, I miss macaroni and cheese. I love lasagna and I can't have this, I can't have that. You know, you can't think about what you can't have. You know what you have to think about? A day is coming, maybe three, four months from now, I can get off this couch and I can play with my grandkids again. I can walk around the block. We're going to the beach. I can, you know, it's like, I, I, can, I can go hiking again, or I can, I, I, I can look in the mirror and go like, ah, oh, it's different. You can't think about what you have to give up right now. You gotta picture like, but what would my life be like in April or June or a year from now, right? Here's the, here's the third, third thing, all right? What's the biggest obstacle to this truth from Jesus being put into practice in your life? What stands in the way of that actually becoming a reality? I'm gonna answer that for ya, you, you. Here's, not, here's the answer, my wife, she's not the reason. My kids, no, they're not. My parents, no, they're not. My job, culture, the world, God. No, it's all, no, no, no. Listen, I, I, I kind of have a soapbox. I'm so tired of the victim card. I, I mean, a lot of us have been victimized, but whether we choose to stay in that or not, it's like, listen, I do what I want, right? And if I'm letting anybody besides me and Jesus work out what my life's supposed to be about, then something has got to change. So back in January when I started the 75 hard, okay? On January 1st, I made a decision. Today is January 16th. I either have 16 days of accomplishment or 16 days of excuses. And and you know who made all those decisions? Me. I chose what I did with my day. Right, so nobody gets to tell you what you do with your life but you and Jesus working it out together. Does that make sense? Now there's other people gonna try, but they ain't Jesus. Write that down. She's not Jesus, shut up. All right, right, so now that's gonna be hard. That's gonna be really, really, really hard. So here's the first thing, you gotta pray, you gotta pray. Not about if, but how about this? If Jesus wants this for you, and and he does, he would not have put it in the Bible and told you to do it unless he wanted it for you, and he promised to give you the strength and grace to do it. So ask him for that. God, I don't know how to do this with my marriage, with my money, with my health, with my mind, with my heart, I don't know how to do that. Will you step into this and will you do it together? And he promises, I will do this together. He will never tell you to do anything on your own without him, okay, that would be mean. Now, here's the other thing, and this might be the most important thing, because you'll agree with most of that thing, but this is totally countercultural. Look at this one, right? Speak to your heart and speak to your mind. Here's the worst thing in our culture, follow your heart. Please stop doing that. How many times has your heart or true to yourself led you over a cliff? Now, it's great if your heart's aligned with Jesus, then let's go, right? But if you follow your emotions, you follow your woundedness, or you follow your brokenness, because that's who you are, it will lead you over a cliff. No, don't listen to your heart, speak to your heart. And say something like this, hey, listen, that's a lie, that's not true. What happened to me, what was done to me is not true. Jesus says, this is true, and this is not true. So in the strongest words possible, keep it out in front of you and just look at it and say, I'm gonna clean this up. Screw you, you don't get to run my life. Jesus runs my life, amen? Now, so every day this week. Now, here's what I'm gonna do. Th- at least for this series, all right? Every morning, I'm gonna post a short video on one of my social platforms, Instagram or Facebook, and you can find it, because you're smart, right? So I'm gonna do this like minute video on there, and I'm gonna throw out some thoughts and some challenges to you, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you up front, I'm, I'm not gonna let you play the victim card. I'm gonna get in your face and go, get up off the couch. You said you believe it, let's get up off the couch and let's go do that today, all right? Because it's, it's, we just need some very compassionate, grace-filled truth. And I'll be preaching myself the whole whole time, all right? Now, here's why I'm gonna do that. Because, listen, nobody can do what you need to do instead of you or for you. But that doesn't mean that you have to take all these steps all by yourself. That's what, we're a community. And we believe that with God and with a community of other people taking one small step together, all things are possible. Conversation in the lobby for a family that house burned down two weeks ago. All I can do is one small step at a time because if I try to figure out the whole thing, it's overwhelming. Don't try to figure out your whole life today. Just one step. Jesus said it this way, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own, amen? I just wanna get through this day and then this day and this day and keep the truth out in front of me and keep the lie out in front of me and follow Jesus, amen? All right, all right. Hey, let's stand up at all of our campuses. Let's worship together and, uh, and then let's go I said, go follow Jesus, all right? So God, I, I, just, I thank you for what you're doing in my life. I think you what you're doing for so many people's life, this community's life. I thank you for what you're doing in the world. I, I, I just pray protection over families in our community that have lost so much. I pray for, for, for families in this room or online that are listening to me right now who are hurting so much and they're just overwhelmed because this world is just overwhelmed. But no matter if, if a storm hit our life and it fell to the ground, You are the God of resurrection and you are a God of rebuilding out of ashes, out of rubble. You can reach in that and you can make something beautiful. And you're about to do that in some of our lives. And so we will not be afraid. We won't run away. We will run to you. We will follow you. How we do that? Just one step at a time. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.